Hello and welcome to the Bedroom Studios podcast, the podcast where we talk about what goes on behind the scenes in a musician's world and bridge the industry gap by bringing their stories, expertise, and advice to early career artists. Subscribe to join us for a fun chat about life as a creative person, tips and tricks for pursuing an artistic career, navigating the music industry, and more. I am your host, Emma, and today I will be interviewing Jordana Goddard. Canadian-American soprano Jordana Solstice Goddard is an award-winning artist whose musical passion has led her to critically acclaimed performances across Canada and Europe. Miss Goddard has graduated from the University of Toronto after studying with Dr. Daryl Edwards and is pleased to be continuing her studies in a master's degree in opera performance. With generous scholarship support from the BC Arts Council and the University of Toronto, she has worked extensively with world-renowned collaborative pianist Rachel Andrist, award-winning collaborative pianist Joel Goodfellow, Canadian Opera Company chorus master Sandra Horst, soprano Natalie Paulin, and baritone Russell Braun. Highlights of her undergraduate degree include performing several world premieres and performing her first lead role in an opera with U of T Opera and attending VOSI Opera Colonna. I had such a fun and interesting conversation with Jordana. We spoke a lot about how singers and musicians connect with their bodies and how, as a singer, it is so important to be in tune with yourself both physically and mentally. I hope you enjoy episode 5 of the Bedroom Studios podcast with our guest Jordana Goddard. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. As sort of an intro to our conversation, I'd love for you to share your musical journey and how did you become interested in music and what Mm -hmm. led you to where you are now? Totally. So I'm really privileged because I come from like upper middle class white family to begin with. And then I'm even more privileged because both of my parents are professional musicians. And um, so within that, that's basically how I got introduced to classical music. And um, that was from a really young age. Um, I listened to Wagner's Ring Cycle at probably before I I knew how to speak. And uh, I love that so much. And that's kind of how I fell in love with opera. So it was very young and um, I just listened to that opera on repeat. Like I loved it so much. I could tell you all the leitmotifs. I could play them on the piano. Like I knew, um, I knew a lot about it (laughs) at a young age. So I was part of that cult following right from the start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... uh, Yeah, so that was kind of the start of my musical journey. And then I was introduced to the violin when I was like four. And then I continued that until I was about 13. Um, And intermittently I would have other instruments like uh, I played trumpet in band for a bit. And then in high school I played French horn in the band. Um, yeah, so that was really fun. I love the French horn. Yeah. Um, uh, but when I was 11, I started voice lessons and I had my first performance and I realized 
I mean, just how vulnerable it is, first of all, and how much I liked playing with text and um, that these melodies were often uh, reused from another melody and people had these memories connected to them and I could play with that and I I just felt like I had so much control in another way and and then I could still play with musicality and all the other things that I could use um, as an instrumentalist but I just felt like um, it was a little bit closer to what I wanted for expression and it was definitely an adjustment and I'm still finding things that I need to get used to because from this instrumentalist background um it can be a little bit um (laughs) a little bit of an interesting world because um you've got this instrument that's inside you that you can't look at or really analyze and you're basically creating your instrument while you're playing your instrument and that's just such a weird concept so singers can often be a little neurotic because you <laughs> don't know like <laughs> you have to be in the right headspace to be able yeah. to produce your sound it's just so strange <laughs> so I find that cool um and so since high school, I, I, I continued for, um, I continued lessons throughout high school and in like grade nine or 10, I decided I would really go for voice. Um, and so I was pretty serious my entire high school kind of experience. And then I auditioned for U of T as well as other universities and um and I got in so I I went to U of T yeah (laughs) and then um yeah I had a beautiful experience um in my bachelor's and uh lots lots of performing opportunities and as a performance major it was like basically handed to me on a silver platter so I was it's, it, it was easy to find performing opportunities and I made friends with composers and I love performing new music. So that was um, another something I discovered. And also because my dad is um, the composer in residence for the VSO, Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, I, um, I learned a lot um, just by being his kid about like, all the, all the work that goes into being a composer and um, yeah, just a love of new music. Very cool. Thanks. I had no idea you came from an instrumental background. Yeah. Like, I feel like with everyone, everyone I talk to, I just subconsciously assume that they've been doing what they've been doing since they were really little. Yeah. <laughs> just because how talented you, you guys oh. are. are. Thanks. Yeah, um, you mentioned um, your vulnerability when you perform um, for voice. And I noticed, like, especially with you when you perform, it's almost like you're an actor and you take on a character. Was that something that sort of came naturally to you, or did you have to work at that? 
Yeah. Um, I think, I think a bit of both. Um, I, I think my brain works in a funny way that I, I really like focusing on characters and like really visual stories for myself and that I find when I have a really specific visual kind of image or like movie playing in my head, it comes across quite well. So I try my best to create that for everything I perform. And um, and there is kind of a different like philosophy or train of thought, um, or maybe just a different brain that, that focuses on um, more of the sound world mm-hmm. and like being a vessel for the music. And I think that's so interesting as well. So I, I've been like playing a lot with like, trying to get into that um, other headspace. But I think what naturally comes to me is um, that movie. And that's what I kind of think of when I'm listening to other people sing or play. Mm-hmm. I've got this kind of, like this movie playing, trying to understand what they're trying to express. So um, yeah, and I've had to work on it um, a bit. Um, and I've, I love acting so much. I, I've done Shakespeare for like, since I was in third grade, I just like fell in love with it. So (laughs) that has a big influence on my performing, Mm. I think. Yeah. Like I know for me as a flute player, like in my lessons, we would talk a lot about, you know, how do you express this character? How are you going to shape this line? But it's all just reflected in the sound. Like we don't, I don't mm. have to worry about, am I looking up yeah. to the right or down to the left? And what am I doing <laughs> with my hands? Like I'm yeah. just playing flute. Like you don't have to worry about that. But right. like, do you find that you have to be just like super self-aware of not just what you're doing with your voice, but just every part of your body? Do you feel super self-aware when you're singing? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I think it's something I've gotten used to now a little bit more, but it is really strange, like not having something to hold (laughs) like an instrumentalist, like playing the violin was like, just like, okay, you got this thing and you're just going to play it because that's what you, that's what you do. And you can absolutely be expressive with your body in, in some ways. Yeah. It's like, just lean this way, lean that way. And that's it. It's like, oh, so expressive. Yeah. Yeah, so um, with singing, there are so many more minute details you can get Mm -hmm. just like with the placement of your hands by your side. Like, are they open? Are they closed? Do you have fists? Um, Are you kind of like rising with your arms? Like, are you kind of expressing something inward? Like, there's so much opportunity for expression and that could be really daunting yeah. <laughs> because what do you choose for every phrase and and it'll always change and in performance sometimes I'm like uh sometimes I start completely still um and I realized um in my recital even uh <clears throat> I like started a fast piece Exultate Jubilate by Mozart I started it with my hands by my sides, which is not a bad way to start. But I, um, I realized how much I wanted to, to use my, use my arms and things. So kind of halfway through, I was like, 
no, you can use your iron straight Anna. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's what I did. And I think um, playing with that in performance is super fun for me. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. When you perform, do you sort of choreograph your movements prior? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I have, like, kind of a map of what I want to create. Um, <clears throat> and like often because the movie plays in a similar way each time, I'll have similar movements. Mm. Um, but sometimes I even improv during the, the performance and that's really thrilling for me. Yeah. I, I really like it when, especially when it actually works out <laughs> and it's like <laughs> expressive in the way I wanted it to be expressive. Um, and some people hate that. Some people hate that for art song, <laughs> like especially art song because it's such a kind of as such a pure art and it is in ways, but it's also like, I, from my background, that's German. Um, I know that art song is like for the people. It's just like, it starts out as songs you sing um in in rooms full of people and it's very relaxed but you've got this beautiful story you're telling mm. and so you want to do that as as well as possible and i think sometimes movements can totally enhance that and i think if we're limiting ourselves to not having movements and only the text and only the story I think that's just um, a little bit close-minded, so mm. I like to be open. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it sort of operates on a spectrum where sometimes they can. I can only really speak from like my flute experience, but mm -hmm. um, I've had conversations with my teacher because I I just tend to move a lot when I play, uh -huh. and sometimes that inhibits my sound because I'm moving the flute too much. Um, right. And so when I'm like more grounded, then I'm able to express more through the sound, but like other times it's like if you're too stiff mm -hmm. and the, it just feels like the sound is only coming like from your mouth outwards as opposed to it being embodied in, yeah. your, in you. It's, it's just, it's an interesting thing um, to yeah. sort of play around with. Totally. And I think like, like probably like you, I'm a very kind of physical person yeah. and I, I have like, it takes a lot to ground myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think I get those comments as well, like <laughs> that I can just like stay still and stay grounded. And I think for some pieces it's super important to be like completely still and like mm -hmm. be able to express a line with just like this calm and tranquility that it needs so it's absolutely like based on what's appropriate but I think what's appropriate varies from artist to artist and that's like the cool thing about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I always find when I or not always but usually I find that when I'm singing in front of people sometimes I get sort of stiff and frozen because I'm afraid to like if I move my arm will it look weird or right um it's it's still something I have to get comfortable with and yeah it's like I, I like your analogy of the the movie in your head thanks 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it can be totally more awkward for the performer if you think about it mm. than the audience. Like I think often if you kind of just relax into your like being and your your position as a performer, it's like um I'm going to allow myself to be comfortable because that will make the audience comfortable. It's just, it's the little weird psychological thing, but <laughs> a lot of performing and a lot of singing is super psychological. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like giving yourself permission to be comfortable. I like that. Exactly. That's yeah. really cool. Thanks. And I guess it's even more important when you're a singer because tension. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, anything can create tension. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I carry so much tension in my entire body. <laughs> it's, an, yeah. it's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah. So um, I guess this sort of leads nicely into another question, which was since your voice is part of you, how do you maintain it, especially when you're performing a lot? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think warming up is super important, and I make that one of the top priorities in a singing day. Um, obviously sometimes there are times where um, you just can't for whatever reason, but I think warming up sets me up for like whatever singing day I have. And the way I warm up and the breaths I take are gonna dictate how I sing that day and it's it's crazy how much of an effect it has and so if I'm really conscious during my warm-ups and um, I have I take really good breaths and I release well and um, I'm gentle with myself at first I think that creates um, sounds that I love the, during the rest of the day rather than having like a really rushed warm-up where I like like try to go higher than is good for me at the very beginning or um, or try to push or um, take kind of held breaths um, that'll create a completely different sound during the rest of the day and obviously like sometimes I can um, have like a short warm-up and it's okay but I find um, having a longer warm-up and doing a few like little technique things and little exercises can be super helpful to kind of release different parts of my voice and um yeah and give me more access to more means of expression wow i i love the words that you use to describe releasing parts of my voice like that's that's so poetic. I, oh, but it's, it's so it's so true. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. I find that for a lot of people, the breath is something that gets neglected for both singers and instrumentalists. Mm -hmm. Before you warm up, do you literally just breathe for a bit, or is it something that you integrate into your warm up? Sometimes, yeah. Um, I think. I mean, sometimes I do like a bit of stretching. Like that can mm -hmm. really help because um because of the way the breath works like it's very physical and like mm -hmm. I think sometimes we forget about that or at least I forget about that and um and so like doing some stretches and even stretching out my legs and um doing some arm exercises can really help and um 
And even on performance days, what something I love to do is go for a run in the morning, mm-hmm. like just kind of an easy run, like 20 minutes or like up to like half an hour or 45 minutes, but just like a good, like easy pace, nothing race pace or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and cause that just gets the breath totally released and, mm. um, automatic and then you've got this starting point that's a lot more grounded. And I find I can find my groundedness and like that energy without all the tension. It's just kind of like a buzz. And mm. it's so cool. I love that. Nice. Yeah. As a singer, do you have to maintain, I guess, certain lifestyle habits in order to do your job, essentially? <laughs> Yeah, I need to make sure that, um, depending on what kind of day I have, um, the night before, if, uh, there is like kind of a social gathering, I might choose not to drink alcohol so that, um, the next day I am totally fresh because alcohol doesn't have an effect on the cords, um, as well as caffeine and cheese and, um, lack of sleep Mm. and whether you have your period or not. And, um, and like even just, uh, what your mental state is, it's kind of crazy how sensitive our bodies are. And I think singers definitely feel, um, we're, I mean, we're programmed to feel like more because, um, having an awareness of what's happening in our vocal cords kind of um, branches out to our, an awareness of our entire body. So usually there's uh, a hyper awareness compared to like most other people who just kind of go about their day and maybe they're tired, but it doesn't really affect their work quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot that we have to look out for and it totally changes depending on the singer. Like some singers, um, can have like lots of coffee before performing and it doesn't really affect them. Um, I actually love to have a cup of coffee in the morning. So if, uh, as long as I have a, like a, a pretty chill day, um, with like no performing in like at noon for, for instance, like if I have a noon hour at uh, U of T, mm-hmm. I won't have a coffee in the morning because that would be a little bit too jittery for oh, yeah. that hour of the day. <laughs> but um, if I have a performance in the evening, I can have a coffee in the morning and it won't really affect me too much. So I've never actually heard anyone talk about it at all, but I, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on like how your period affects your singing. Because I know for mm-hmm. me, it does a lot like I feel so much tighter and like I can't sing as well yeah totally yeah I think um there's yeah there's a lot that can be really annoying about that um but I actually found um the last time I had a performance on my period was actually my graduation recital and um and I was like, 
not to be uh, TMI, but I was like on my third day. <laughs> and um, I think we, we've already passed the point. I think we've already passed yeah. that though. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but I was on my third day. So um, <clears throat> it was like well, well into the, all the hormonal changes. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember having a lesson with my professor that morning and um, <clears throat> and feeling like, Ugh, like why do I why do I have to sing on my period? Like this is so annoying. And then um and then he kind of guided me to like embrace that kind of um that kind of uh richer tone because it it's mm-hmm. for me it changes to a much warmer tone and like most of the month my my tone and my sound is quite bright and it's quite um forward and quite um like sparkly in in Mm -hmm. the like the higher overtones and so during my period I have like uh a little bit less sparkle on the top and um it gets a little bit yeah like a darker and warmer and I'm just like not used to that even though it it might be a really beautiful sound to other people I'm just like totally weirded out and I I also love sopranos who sound like a lot warmer and darker and richer so it's a funny yeah it's a funny thing um so that day I was like oh my gosh wait this is like this is just something I'm unfamiliar with it's not that it's bad or it's like not beautiful so I totally kind of embraced that kind of warmer richer sound and I leaned into those like lower overtones and um like I think I like that sound sometimes more than my usual (laughs) sound which is really funny but um it can be difficult sometimes like especially on like heavier um like some sometimes periods are like very light and you don't feel much like mm. many changes and then sometimes it's just like your hormones just hit you like a truck and it's just <laughs> like your throat is like feels like really swelled up and and stuff so that can be really annoying and then um if you don't have like immaculate technique then like things can feel wrong mm. really quickly and yeah, like the fact of the matter is like the vocal cords are a little bit more inflamed during periods. So um, that can cause a little bit of stress, if not like pain. So yeah, that can be unpleasant. Yeah, I I really like what you were saying about embracing how you're sounding. Yeah. There's a video online of a comedian uh, talking about the period commercials where it's like, it's okay go ride a horse go run a marathon right um and it's like sort of that messaging of you should be you should be able to do everything that you usually do in the exact same way with the exact like same result and so it's like to embrace how you're sounding and lean into it Mm -hmm. and like I, I really like that that framing of it thanks yeah and of course like um, I think it's really good to take a break too. Mm. And like, if you can, and, um, obviously some people 
like sometimes you just have to keep on going and um for better or for worse and um but like opera houses used to let um like female identifying artists like um take breaks during their period and that was uh amazing Mm -hmm. like that just kind of let them rest and not use their voice because singing for like if you're singing for four hours of Wagner opera um (laughs) obviously with breaks but um if you're singing for long periods of time it might actually like be a little bit damaging and that's not something you want Mm. um and if opera houses are hiring you for specific sound and if your hormones just like really change that then that's against them too it's like yeah why why wouldn't you let your soprano off for a week or two and then just like have her back later but um that's something that's a little bit more uh from the past um but i think um yeah, there's a lot of value. Like, whatever people choose, it, there's value on either side. And I think it's gorgeous to kind of embrace that, like, different color if you can. And then if you need a break, that's totally, like, it's 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 good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this is embarrassing if I don't know this, but I'm sure a lot of people don't know this, maybe, who knows, but I I recently learned it's not just like the one week of your period, every week of the of that cycle, there's mm-hmm. different things happening, different hormones are being released, and yeah. it's like, I didn't know that, and, and like, there's things where it's like, on this week, on the stage of the cycle, um, this is where you have a lot more energy, and you know, you right. should like, do more social things, and then this, this week, it's like, oh, um, you kind of experience the dip in energy, so you should do like these types of exercises or eat these mm-hmm. types of foods, and that was so interesting and eye opening to me. Totally, um, and it's like sometimes hard because um, just the way everything is structured. Like sometimes you know you'll have a performance on a specific day and it doesn't align with the amount yeah. of energy. Like <laughs> I think I was on my I was on my period during the like the last week of school where I had Mm -hmm. like all my exams and I had my jury and I was just like completely exhausted by the end of it. I feel like having that awareness of how your body works is so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Wish they taught us that in school. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, there are so many things going on. And yeah, yeah, it's so interesting to look deeper in that and like, become Mm -hmm. a little bit more self-aware of like oh what's going on like what do I feel like how can I best take care of myself yeah yeah singing is such a a cool entry point into learning about your own body because of how self-aware you have to be yeah totally yeah it's it's definitely changed my relationship to myself and my body and Mm -hmm. um even my psychology and like how I deal with like negative self-talk and stuff. Mm. Like I, when I practice, I'm really, um, conscious usually. Like I, I try my best to kind of remain like a sports coach, like my self-talk. And I talk to myself a lot, like out loud when I practice. Um, I, I'm like, Jordana, you can do better than that. You can take a better breath. Um, Like, you can do it. I know you can. 
And so I want you to do it. <laughs> like, I love that. No, yeah, that's awesome. And it's, thanks. Yeah. And it's really helped me kind of like remain like on task, but also like positive and also just, um, um, like hold myself accountable mm. that like, I don't need to like freak out. This isn't, this isn't the end of the world just because I can't hit that high note the way I want to right now. Isn't like, isn't, doesn't mean I'm not going to have a career I just need <laughs> to work a little bit harder right now and just stay on task. And if I want to come back to that later, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the analogy of a sports coach. No one's like, Oh, go run a marathon tomorrow. You haven't trained. You'll be fine. Like, no, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta train and you gotta work up to it. And exactly. like, sometimes with music, we can forget that we're, we're literally building muscles. They're just really small muscles. Exactly. Yeah, my mom likes to call it Olympians of small muscles. <laughs> <laughs> my, my teacher says the exact same thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Because all these things affect it so much. Like the way we talk to ourselves, it can sort of make or break a, a practice session. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, and I think I get like easily in my head and really oh, easily like yeah it's just like um if I let my brain take over and like my negative self-talk take over I'm like in tears within minutes <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> and so it's so it's so much healthier and so much more productive if I'm just like hey no you can do this don't you don't need to worry yeah <laughs> you're good <laughs> yeah I guess this is sort of like a pivot to more of what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Have there ever been times where, because I'm sure this kind of awareness comes with a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Has, has there ever been times where like, I'm going to see if I can perform while like having coffee and did mm-hmm. it, like, have you ever had that experience? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I've had, Ooh, so like one of my experiences last year was um, that I was on on a movie set um, the night before, and I thought it would be just like until like eleven or maybe midnight. Um, it turned out to be the entire night until six in the morning. <laughs> we we didn't wrap until six, and so I had a performance for a noon hour that the next day I was kind of uh I was just gonna take whatever I could get like and I was really kind of easy on myself in that way like before the performance I was like okay like you just do whatever you do and whatever it is you're gonna be fine like Mm -hmm. we're gonna get through this (laughs) and it turned out to be like one of the best performances I've had of that aria and um it was just like so automatic and so kind of I'm not going to think about being uh self-conscious like my self-conscious filter was completely gone (laughs) (laughs) and uh so that lack of sleep completely let me explore this um other part of myself that could just do that automatically and that was really impressive for me. But and I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed that you didn't sleep the night before because it was spectacular. Thank you. It was so, so much. good, like literally. 
Oh, thank you. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I was like, I was equally as surprised. (laughs) I I thought, um, like if I got through the aria, that would be fine. Um, but it was like so much fun. Uh, mind you, I'm not going to do that every performance. (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah, but I'm happy it happened. It was the choice that you made to just focus on what you could do, and if it didn't go well, it didn't go well, right? Um, Absolutely. I've, I've also had those lack of sleep performances, and there have been mm-hmm. times where it was like it went well, but then there have been times where I was focusing so much and like I'm so tired, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this, I'm so nervous, mm-hmm. and it didn't go as well because I was using what limited brain capacity I had to be nervous about the performance. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think in those mental states, you can choose to be, choose to think about, like, two things at the same time. (laughs) And whatever you choose to think about is, like, where the energy is going to go. And, like, you you don't have that ability to kind of branch out and, like, be nervous as well as do, do the performance as well as be expressive and then, like, mm-hmm. do all the thing the markings that the composer has written down. And, yeah. It's like something's got to suffer. There. Exactly. So it might as well be the nerves that suffer. Yeah, exactly. And I found in that performance I was so zoned in it was like crazy so I think that was exactly it though like you've hit the nail on the head it's like um as musicians we are trained to have like this gorgeous spider senses of like all I think about all the things that we need to think about at the same time and um it's kind of amazing when you like remove some of those and just like decide I'm not going to think about being nervous right now or what my mental state is or my lack of sleep. Um, and it takes a huge amount of control to not, um, put energy towards those. And sometimes it's impossible. Um, but I think with a lot of practice, getting in the zone is like something that is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you were saying reminded me of, um, I was watching a master class at U of T and Timothy Hagen, who is a flute player, he was working with um, some of the flute students, and the master class was sort of framed on how, how to practice effectively. Mm-hmm. And something that really stuck with me was um, sometimes when we're practicing, we have, we do, and it's good to have this hyper awareness of everything that you're doing and all of the elements that make up what you're playing and how you sound and how you're phrasing um, and your technique. But um, something he was doing with the students was he was asking them, okay, what do you want, when you play this phrase, what, what are you listening for? What do you want to work on? And they would choose mm-hmm. one thing. And it's like, okay, so only focus on that one thing. Like if you mess up a note, it's fine if you're if you're right. you know if if anything else goes wrong it's okay, but uh-huh. like really just evaluate yourself on that one thing. If I'm trying to play around with with technique, but I'm like so focused on like oh am I sounding good am I sounding good then it takes away energy from what I'm actually trying to accomplish. Totally yeah, and I think yeah that's such a cool way of thinking. Yeah it and was I such think... a crazy it was so good it was such a great masterclass. 
Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, I think when we decide to only think about one thing, that can get so much better. Mm -hmm. And obviously we're human and we're going to be picky about everything at the same time. And it's like, why? Why Why would you do that to yourself? But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it can be so valuable to do that. That's amazing. Sometimes when I perform, I... You know how you get that out-of-body experience sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes I, sometimes I get that out-of-body experience, but it'll be, it'll be weird because I'll be playing. I'll be like, huh, this is, I'm, I'm performing right now, and yeah. I'm playing this part of this piece, and it's going to yeah. be over soon. Like it's, I'm thinking about that, which I feel like, I don't know, it's, it's such a weird feeling because I'm, I'm zoned in, but I'm also mm -hmm. not zoned in. And totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of meditative. A little bit. Yeah, if you yeah. know the piece well enough, if you don't totally. know the piece, <laughs> then it's just like, ah, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. When you're practicing, how do you practice in a way that prepares you for the performance? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, sometimes, uh, so like something that Barbara Hannigan has mentioned she does is that she will um, practice uh, without singing um, by just playing her part on the piano or um, listening. I, I don't think listening actually. Playing her part on the piano and um, learning it by ear first and then starting to sing it when she's got it basically memorized yeah. and that's something I've been playing with a lot and um I think it it's absolutely a, a luxury of time so if I've got that amount of time I'll definitely try to do things like that and make it so that um my my vocal technique is completely at ease and I don't have to like learn it with my voice mm. because that ha puts kind of an extra strain on the voice because it's not sure about what the next note should be or not be and um, so that can be really good. Yeah. And you end up using your voice a lot when you don't necessarily have to. Exactly, yeah. So if I'm able to not use my voice as much and just learn the rap uh, without using my voice, then I can just work on technique and make sure um, the sound is what I want. And often like something, um, something I can do a lot that's like after I've learned the piece and maybe even after I've performed it. Like I was doing this recently with um, some pieces I was performing for the house concert I was giving. Uh, I was just focusing on phrasing and just playing it on the piano and something I've really valued over the last few years is like listening to the sound in my head that I want. So just like hearing my voice just in my head <clears throat> without singing and reproducing that sound many times in my head and, and then until I can really hear that that sound, then I can start to sing it. And then it's almost exactly what I want usually. 
it's pretty insane like the that's so cool yeah the power of our minds yeah so especially when i'm going through color tura stuff often when i'm having trouble with the color tura section i'll just um stop singing it and then play it on the piano slowly first and then often i find that the parts i have the most difficulty on i couldn't actually hear it in my head like i couldn't mm. like i didn't have it quite there and so of course like how how could you play anything if you can't hear it like so that's that's kind of what i work on mostly um and when i really can hear it in my head and hear it exactly the way i want it and exactly the tempo i want it then i can start to sing it and then it almost is completely perfect the first time but then awesome. i can totally grow with it and yeah so it's really fun it's that, that's something like my my private teacher gives us like, have you listened to the recording i'm like maybe <laughs> can, you, can you sing your part i'm like uh, okay <laughs> it's it's like if you don't know it it's so obvious that you don't know it because then you're right. guessing totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool yeah it's like i totally agree with you it's like when i know the melody in my head then i learn the piece so much faster yeah totally and yeah. that's so cool with instrumentalists like that you guys get to have um like an instrument first and then your teachers often tell you to sing and it's like yeah. oh my gosh what no i didn't sign up for this yeah, <laughs> yeah I totally it's like had that as well <laughs> It's it, it's I think it's easier to fake it with an instrument when you don't know because you could just sight read it. But at, but right. <laughs> when you're at the same time, it's if you don't have the melody in your head, then even if you're even if you're so good at sight reading, it's like it's good, still going to be some elements of surprise to you if you're yeah. <laughs> reading your piece. And um, it's like if you don't understand what the piano part's doing. The piano part's not it's, like I know some a lot of vocal music. It's the vocal line and then the piano. Is written underneath yeah. but there's so many pages with with like flute music and other like other instrument music so we don't have the piano line there so we actually have to right. look at it separately yeah that's so interesting yeah it's it's funny how like that's such a different world i i know that um what some people do is um when they have some people they have their music on the tablet mm -hmm. and so they'll read their music off of the piano score and then they're they're able to flip the page as much as they want with the foot pedal oh nice yeah. or um and uh leslie newman once she said to the class that when she's playing in an orchestra mm -hmm. she'll have the full score on her tablet right. and then she could flip with her the foot pedal and mm -hmm. see her line but also be able to see everything else that's going on underneath that's so cool yeah Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something else I've actually learned from Barbara Hannigan. Mm. <laughs> that um, when you go in to sing with an orchestra, always have the full score. Mm. And so I've continued that and I've um, I've definitely kept that in my um, in my head. And like, I've done that. And like, so for the for the Vancouver Symphony performance, I brought the full scores of both of the works I was performing, and it was just like so much more helpful than just having your part. So it was amazing. 
Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Because that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, an all new music program and um, and it was performed in the Annex Theatre, which is like right next door to the Orpheum. So it had a slightly smaller ensemble, um, but uh, still pretty big for one of the pieces. Um, and so I performed a piece by Zoshidi Castri, who is a Canadian composer. And this piece was called Sulla Mappa, del, Sulla Mappa con Cava del Buio. And uh, it was really complicated, um, very interesting. And um, it kind of surrounded um, the themes of uh, kind of searching kind of anxiety at first, um, and a, a feeling of neuroticism, I really got that. And then um, I think also a searching for uh, release. And then there's this huge release moment in the middle. And um, the last part is kind of feels like an acceptance of it. There's no real like, um, philosophical storyline and there there aren't that many words that I actually sing um but there's poetry that's spoken throughout um on a recording and um so it's a really interesting emotional piece and it's really dense I love I love new music in that way <laughs> yeah and then um the second piece we performed was uh David Lang um David Lang's Simple Song Number Three, and that was uh, in the movie Youth uh, by Paolo Sorrentino, and that was like just a gorgeous melody and um, gorgeous orchestral part. You should really listen to it. Ooh, it's yeah. so beautiful. So yeah, check it out That's on Spotify. Awesome. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was so much fun. They're just like incredible musicians. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it was amazing performing with them. Must be such a different experience to sing with an orchestra as opposed to just with piano. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, um, like, I had a, a bit of an experience, um, well, a pretty big experience with the opera um, mm -hmm. in the spring, which was amazing. I. I got to perform um, the the lead role with um, like the rest of the young, the rest of the opera department um, because Emily Rocha was so amazing in letting me have um, one of the nights. Um, but uh, so I I got to perform with orchestra then, um, but I think I didn't quite like register how amazing it was during the moment and like how good the orchestra sounded it was just like you're on and like so <laughs> I was just like focused on like what I was producing and all that so um yeah but um with the VSO it was just like I got to really kind of lean into that and um fall into like fall in love really with like performing with Aww. orchestra and um 
so it was a really good experience because I, I think I felt a little bit more comfortable. Um, and yeah, and it was a bunch of people I knew in the orchestra as well because of my parents. And mm -hmm. so it was great. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, thanks. So I think we're kind of getting to the end mm -hmm. of our, of our talk. So sad. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, is there something that you know now that you would tell that yourself when you were first starting out or like what, what resource do you wish you had at the beginning? Mm. That's a good question. I think that negative self-talk thing, um, is really good. Um, and that's really changed my, my life. Mm. And, um, and I think the way I think about myself is, and the way we think about ourselves in general is like really important and will change our lives and will change the lives of those around us too, because the way we think about ourselves has so much of an effect on the way we interact with other people. Yeah. Um, and when we allow ourselves to like be human and like have emotions and make mistakes and, um, do things in the ways that we wouldn't do and like um and have neg negative experiences and learn from them and see them as opportunities rather than as um like failures then um yeah there there can be so much beauty and so much growth and whether that's like in a specific direction of like quote-unquote success like it doesn't really matter I think kind of whatever direction you go is successful and um and I think having a career in music can be like a beautiful way of showing that but I think a love of music is completely different than a career in music and I think you can love um, you can love music so much, um, and have a gorgeous relationship to it and yourself and other people. And like, that can be all the beauty you, you need. And you don't, you don't need to show the world by having a career. And that's, that's really beautiful too. So there are so many options. And I think sometimes in the music world, we kind of see this hierarchical mm. thing of like, the performers are at the top and it's like no i you don't really need to perform to be like amazing yeah and to have this like really gorgeous relationship to music you can um like teach music as like you've you've been trained to yeah. do <laughs> and um and that is so important too like educating young people is where it all starts and so that's a really important job. And then having your own like practicing relationship to music is super important too. And, um, and being an avid listener to music is another relationship that's super important. So I think there are so many possibilities and yeah, having that open to us and like allowing ourselves to see it's not in a hierarchical way, but like on a spectrum is really important.
And I think performing can be for everyone. And, um, and it's just a sharing of music. It's not like, oh, because this person is a star, they can perform better than me. It's like, no, they're just expressing it in a different way. And so, yeah. I love I think that. I, thanks. That was yeah. so beautiful. Thanks. I that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, like what you were saying about the self-talk and the self-love, it's, it's sort of, when you have a good relationship with yourself, it just radiates to, to everything around you and what mm -hmm. you do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the last question is, um, do you have any music recommendations that you would like to Ooh. share? Oh my goodness. Well, lately I've been hooked on Jesse and Norman's Four Last Songs. And uh, that that's just an incredible recording the whole way through. Um, as well as Mahler 5 with Zubin Mehta and the New York Philharmonic. That's just an incredible recording too. So <laughs> those two are definitely ones to check out in my opinion. Um, so much richness, so much expression. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks for being on the podcast. I'm oh. so happy that you're, I'm so happy that we got to chat because we, we don't always get too many opportunities to, to chat like this when we were in school, but I had yeah. the most amazing time. Oh, me too. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bedroom Studios podcast. Don't forget to add this podcast to your playlists and to like and follow for future episodes. And you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at Bedroom Studios Podcast. I will also be linking Jordana's social media in the description. You should definitely check out her music and her performances. It is truly spectacular. Also make sure to follow our playlist of guest music recommendations, which will also be linked in the description. I'll see you in the next episode of Bedroom Studios Podcast.